Ephesians chapter 6, have it stand up on your feet. We're going to continue in our series though. It's going to stay in the same flow. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4 today on this Father's Day. Paul writes, here's what he said. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for that is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. I want to read it one more time, short passage. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it might be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Father, thank you on this Father's Day. You're our Father. And Lord, we thank you for your protection towards us. We thank you for your kindness and your guidance. But Lord, we thank you also for those fathers that have uh, brought us into this world. Lord, we would not be here without them in some form or fashion. So today, even if it makes it difficult to love, God, we make a choice to honor. And uh, we thank you for you using them to bring us to this earth. God, we pray you would bless every person here today. Speak to our hearts and uh, give us uh, wisdom from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated this morning. And uh, we're going to continue in this series uh, entitled City on a Hill. And the last few weeks, we've been looking at the Christian's role and responsibility in society, uh, in, our, in our homes. And the very first week was uh, right out of Matthew 5. And we talked about being salt, being light. Was anybody here for that message? We talked about salt, light. Salt brings flavor and light brings illumination. It exposes darkness. It prepares a path. Um, We talked about the importance of us being salt and light. Um, Last week, last week we talked about uh, the power of compassion and the story of the Good Samaritan. How that, that Levite passed one way and the priest passed the other. But there was this one that was hurting that risked the societal norms the Samaritan, to go and minister to this Jewish person and went above and beyond. And we finished that message last week with this singular thought. We must have continued compassion. Meaning that uh, our acts of compassion to the hurting and the lost should not be a one and done, a photo opportunity, or anything like that. But it is a sincere desire to see others be better than where they are right now. And uh, I bragged on us as a church about the various things that we're involved in and, and how we need to do that, but also encouraged those of you who have not yet taken the step to get involved in ministry, uh, reaching out to others. You know, God doesn't save us so that we can be a piece of church furniture. Hello. In other words, God's plan for your life is much deeper than just simply sitting on a pew every Sunday. He's got a plan for your life. You're a soldier now in the army of the Lord. And what we don't want is for the soldiers of the Lord to be AWOL on the day of service. Amen? That, that, that didn't go over too well. We don't want the soldiers of the Lord to be AWOL on the day of service. We want everybody enlisted and at their proper post. And so we encourage you uh, to get connected in that way. Um, Today though, I want to look at a different aspect of being a city on a hill, and I want to talk about the role of a father. 
the role of a father. Um, you know, I believe that the strength of a city are strong local churches. The strength of a city are strong local churches. Notice I didn't say a strong local church because it's not about one group and one person. I, I believe that the strength of a city is a group of strong local churches. People that pull together in the middle of crisis that set aside some of maybe their boundaries or maybe some of their non-salvific differences and say, you know what? Our city is hurting. We're in crisis. And we're all going to get into the mud, the muck, and the mire together. Amen? How many of you know when a tornado blazes through your town, the people that come to help you, it really doesn't matter if they're Baptist or Methodist or Assembly of God. You just know the Christians came and helped us. Praise God. The strength of a city are strong churches. And so we believe in the ministry of the local church. Jesus birthed that ministry in the book of Acts. He's coming back for that ministry. And, uh, and so that's God's ordained system of function. But if the strength of a city is a strong local church, then what's the strength of a strong local church? I believe local churches are only as strong as the families that attend them. A local church is only as strong as the families that attend them. I believe that the devil hates family. He hates it with a passion because he got kicked out of the family. You ought to understand, the Satan was created to have intimate fellowship with God. He was a high-ranking angel. And because of pride and, and all of those things, he got himself kicked out and cast down to the earth, and we're made in the image of God, created to have fellowship with God. And so guess what? Satan hates family. He hates it with a passion. But the strength of the local church is a strong family. But what's the strength of a strong family? This morning, I want to tell you that I believe the strength of a strong family are strong fathers. Strength of a strong family are strong fathers. Now, I fully understand that we live in a society where there are many fatherless homes, but I want to be plain today. Uh, we didn't come to beat up fathers. Uh, we come to celebrate fathers today. I come to call the greatness out of you today. This morning, I want you to leave encouraged. Listen, men, I'm going to be talking to you today, but women, I'm going to be talking to you as well. For those of you who are single, who, uh, ladies, who may be looking for a man one day, I'm going to tell you what kind of man to look for. Come on, somebody. I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to uh, the men today who are single, who may be in the market to mingle one day. And I'm going to talk to you about what kind of man to be to your wife and your kids. Because it's important in the society in which we live. The strength of strong families is a strong father. Statistics do not lie. We have a prison chaplain here, and I bet you that if he were to go interview the majority of people that are incarcerated in this facility, not 100%, I don't want to paint a broad blanket uh, statement, but the majority, overwhelming majority of people in prison grew up in a fatherless home. True. We see that fatherlessness is a plague in our nation. Uh, it just seems like 
so much more than not, the father is absent in the home. And I believe that there is a reason for that. Now what I'm about to say over the next few moments, it's not going to be popular opinion. But I don't care. I haven't ever and I'm not going to start today. The truth is, is that the reason why fatherlessness is an epidemic today is because it's the way they planned it. The way they planned it. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, I'm not a TV person, but I do keep up with culture. But can I tell you that the, the bulkhead majority of television shows today, sitcoms today, paint the father in a negative light? Men do nothing but sit around and drink beer, watch football, belch and pass gas. They're made fun of, they're talked back to by their children, their wife demeaned them, undermined them. And listen, people sit in, in front of the television for hours and hours and hours and they are being programmed by society that hates manhood. It's the truth. And, and we're being indoctrinated by it. Now don't, don't under, misunderstand me. I'm not up here saying I'm preaching against television because it's like the internet. You can use anything for good or evil. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But what I am saying is that when we allow ourselves to be indoctrinated by this particular thing, we are receiving the propaganda that they want us to have. Listen, that's why it's called tell a... They're telling their vision to you. We see society begin to unravel because Satan knows that if he can get in the homes and he can tear down manhood, he can pull down the father. Statistics tell us that if the father is saved and comes to church, there's so much more of a probability that his wife and his children will follow because God designed man to lead in the sense of the home to be the covering for the wife and the children and, and, and to lead them in that way. But yet society has painted manhood in such a way to where that's not celebrated any longer. It's been made a mockery of. I want you to know something that in this woke, feministic culture, there's been a direct attempt to emasculate men. Exactly what's happening in the society in which we look in. And it's, it's promoted. The televisions are promoted with the men in the television shows that act effeminate. Hello, somebody. Some of y'all looking at me like you don't watch them shows, but I know you do. The, the men are effeminate. And everything is pushed with this sexual identity confusion. And there is an identity crisis today in the world. Men don't know that they're men. You've got men trying to be women. You've got women trying to be men. It's a crisis in our culture that's bringing confusion all the way down to, listen to me, when you start creating clothing for young boys that look like girls' clothes and they're in the toddler section of Target, come on, that's, that, that is grooming right there. That's grooming. That's treating a child a certain way so that they become more palatable to those things when they get older. There is a plague in our society against biblical manhood because Satan knows that if he can tear down the man of the house, 
disemboweled the family unit, the strength of the local church is diminished, and then the strength of the community is diminished. It is hard to be salt and light in community when the flame is flickering inside the house. And so I want you to hear me today. There's an all-out assault. Not only do you have men that don't know if they're a man or not, they think they're a woman, and you have women that think they're men, you've got this new thing today where one day they're a man and one day they're a woman. They call it non-binary, gender fluidity. You know what I call it? I don't call it gender fluidity. I call it gender stupidity. Hello, somebody. Because God created two sexes, male and female. He created them distinct, intricate. Yes, on a a spiritual level, they're equal. But physically, God created them differently, wired them differently. And there's an all-out assault on manhood today. I hope you're still with me. But men, let me talk to you for just a moment. I came this morning to tell you that it's okay to be a man. I don't care what society has told you. It's okay to be a man. It's okay, listen, it's okay to have calluses on your hands. It's okay to hunt animals and eat them. Hello. It's okay to have a beard if you can grow one. It's okay to pursue your spouse. It's okay to have testosterone. Bottom line, it's okay to be a man. Can I give you permission today, men? God created you in a certain way. It's okay to be a man today. Make no bones about it, friend. I'm going to hear you. Culture has defined this thing so stupid for us. I want you to know something. You don't have to be a... uh, It doesn't take drinking beer to be a man. You don't have to cuss and tell dirty jokes to be a man. You don't have to catcall women at your job to be a man. But real men are men of God. Real men are men of God who lead their homes and lead their families. Listen, I, I, wanted, I want you to know something, that God, in His sovereign plan, when He breathed upon men of old to write the Scriptures, make no mistake about it, nothing was put in there or left out on accident. God had a purpose for everything that He put in the Scripture. And I want you to know something, that when you look from Genesis... To the last chapter of the book of Revelation, you see manhood. God recorded very specific things in the Bible. Men, you don't have to be soft. God created you to be providers, created you to be protectors, created you to be the priest of your home. God is beckoning us today to rise up. And be who God has created us to be. I want to draw your attention to some pieces of information in the Scripture. These are not in your notes this morning. But in God's infinite plan of giving us the canon of Scripture, all 66 books, Genesis to Revelation, Old Testament and New Testament, He records in great detail acts of authentic manhood. Let me give you a few. There's a man in the Scripture by the name of Shammah. The Old Testament replies that he was one of God's people. And Shammah had planted a pea patch, a bean field for his family. 
One day the Philistines came. And the Philistines had it in their mind that they were going to take Shammah's beans. You know what the Bible doesn't record? The Bible doesn't record that Shammah hid behind a rock and he prayed. The Bible doesn't record that he told the enemy to go away and he went on a three-day fast. Those things are good. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible said he stood flat-footed to the face of those Philistines. And he said, you're not coming for my beans. Because if I let you have my beans today, you'll come for the whole enchilada tomorrow. And so he stood flat foot in his field. And let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says that God anointed him and a jawbone of a donkey to whoop those Philistines into the ground. And the Bible says God was pleased with him. Somebody say, that's manhood. What about Samson? Yes, he messed up. We get that. He messed up. He blew it. He blew it real bad. He was a he-man with a she problem. But before he messed up, God gave him supernatural strength. Listen, we think oftentimes the Lord just anoints us to preach. Or the Lord just anoints us to, to play a, a little harp or an instrument. But the Bible says that God anointed him to be a warrior for God's people. Let me give you an example of David in the Scripture. Little ruddy shepherd boy, not first pick, in the field, left behind, not chosen, last to be picked. God anointed him, and with a, a sling and five smooth stones, took down a giant by the name of Goliath. Manhood is celebrated in Scripture. I got another one for you. Let's jump over to the New Testament. I know Hollywood and a lot of our little television programs and our artistic uh, depictions have tried to make Jesus so soft and so meek and so mild. But I need you to understand the carpenter who worked with his hands and worked with stone. I need you to understand the man who carried the old rugged cross on his shoulders. And the Bible is plain to tell us that he didn't do it as God. Because had he done anything in redemption as God, it would have been cheating. He had to do it sinless, just like a man. And so God anointed him with the power of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to notice this. Jesus carried the cross up Golgotha's hill. And that's a big, big place. That's a big, big cross. And they whooped him. They spat on him. They mocked him all the while. But yet he never stopped. You know why? Because real men get the job done. Men, when you start something, finish it. When you commit to something, get it done. Let Jesus be our example. But you know why Jesus didn't quit? Jesus didn't quit because Hebrews tells us with the joy set before Him. 
He endured the cross. He despised the shame. You know why? Because as he was looking this way towards the cross, he was also looking this way to all of the people who would benefit from redemption by him laying his life down. Men, let me tell you why we need to be men of God. We need to be men of God and not quit because not only does it depend upon us, it depends on the strength of our families, the strength of our church. It depends on the strength of... I wish somebody would clap in this Presbyterian church this morning. Y'all are dead as a hammer. Come on, somebody. God depends on us. Men, he's beckoning us today to be men. Al Bundy doesn't need to be our role model. Tim Allen doesn't need to be our role model. Come on, I'm reaching back to the 90s. Come on, somebody. God wants us to have manliness. I want to go back to our scripture today. Some of you are wondering when I was going to get to that. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it might be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. Notice this. And you fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. Notice this. But bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. This morning, I want, to, I want to talk to you, number one, about what is the role of a father. A father must be loving, yes. Nurturing, yes. He must communicate that love. The love and demonstration of love that a father shows is different than that that a mother shows. I think sometimes we... Don't understand this. Oftentimes, little boys, when they get hurt and they want sympathy, they run to their mother because she, God has built her to be compassionate. She's soft. Hello. Soft, embracing, loving. Baby, I love you. It's okay. But listen, just as children need the love and affirmation of a mother, they need the wisdom and strength of a father. And, and, and listen, there are parents that by choice at times have to pull double duty because there's not a father in the home. There's single dads too. There's not a mother in the home. But listen to me. Don't you ever get it twisted. That old, that old little, little rhyme and reason goes, anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. Listen, there are some things that a woman cannot do. There are some things that a man cannot do. One of them is have a baby. Come on, somebody. God has some things that you can do that I can't do. We need each other. We do the best we can while we have what we got. But God put us on this earth as distinct male and female to complement and help each other. The role of a father is to be loving, nurturing. Different than a mom, but they need it. You know, I'll be honest with you, and counseling men through the years that are having problems with their own children or even within their marriages. Uh, the wife says, well, you never tell me that you love me. And the husband, you know, he kind of, 
you know, puffs up and says, well, I show you, I try to show you every day. But a woman wants to hear it. And a lot of times those men say this, well, my father never told me that he loved me. Listen, I'm sorry for that. But let the Scripture teach you what to do. And let your bad experience teach you what not to do. Dads, listen to me. Your children need to hear, I love you from you. They need to hear it verbally. You say, well, that makes me feel awkward. Well, listen. Let God help you with it. Life is about learning and about growing and doing things. Sometimes, listen, when I was a child, I hated broccoli. Now I love it. I had to get over the initial awkwardness of trying something. And listen, it's natural. I know in our home it is. It's natural to communicate, I love you. In fact, we say it after every conversation we get off the phone. It's awkward sometimes because I'll be on the phone with somebody and they'll say bye and I'll say, all right, love you. And then I remember, oh, that wasn't my wife. That's awkward. More awkward when it's a dude. Hello. But we just say, I love you. Father, ought not withhold compassion and love from a child. The role of a father must be loving, nurturing. Father must demonstrate affectionate love. A father must be strong. I'm not talking about muscles here, per se. But a father must be strong and be a guiding influence in their child's life. We'll say something here, and I don't want to offend anybody, but I, I, I just I see this all the time, where fathers try to step in and guide their children, and they try to help their children, and then they're even trying to lovingly discipline their children. I'm not talking about abuse here. I mean discipline. The Bible says you. We, we we used to say it like this: "Bear the rod, spoil the child." Not in the Bible, folks. That verse isn't in there. Find it to me, I'll give you a thousand dollars and I'll give you my credential card. Not in there. Here's what the scripture says Spare the rod, hate the child. Here's what Solomon was saying. If you withhold discipline from your child, you don't you don't love them. You hate them. Because if you don't stop them from throwing fits in Walmart at three and four, they're gonna be throwing fits in the high school in the twelfth grade. Discipline them. Solomon even said, if you apply the rod of correction, they will not die. Not, not beating, not abuse. Come on, DHS ain't here, are they? Listen, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about discipline. But here's what I've, here's what I've watched. I've watched moms undermine the father. Undermine the father. And step in and emasculate the father to the child. Now the child doesn't even take the father serious because when he gets in trouble and dad says, ah, you're grounded for three weeks. Mama goes, that's just too harsh. Well, come here, baby. Go, go ahead and do that. And watch what kind of harvest that pops up in your home. A house divided will never stand. The role of a father is to be affectionate, Loving to provide that support 
and security. Men should teach their children life skills. Don't get mad that public school didn't teach them how to balance a checkbook or to balance their bank account. You show them. You do yours, hopefully. Teach them about saving. Teach them about taxes. Teach them about work ethic. Men, the responsibility for these things belong to us. We need to be a role model of character and integrity. Not just tell it, but show it. Because I got news for you. When I grew up, I heard this a lot. You don't do what I say, you do what I, you, you do what I tell you to do. You don't, no, you don't do what I do, you do what I say. That's, that's, I got it backwards. Don't do what I do, do what I say. Because when I was a kid, I'd be smart. I'd be like, well, you do it. That didn't usually end well. Because my parents were in education and they introduced me to the Board of Correction. The role of a father is to provide not only the teaching, the life skills, the correction, the nurturing, but also the example and the integrity to model that before family. Amen? That's the role of a father. Second thing, that's the role. What is his responsibility? his children. What is a father's responsibility to his children? He must avoid exasperation. Paul writes, he says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. That's being overly harsh. Men, we've all dealt with this before. You know, one of the hardest things to do is father when you weren't fathered. You know, it's easier to be more productive when somebody teaches you a job than it is for you to try to fumble around and learn it on your own. Now, eventually you might get good at it by teaching yourself, but you're going to mess some things up along the way. Well, there was a season in my life, I had an absent dad for almost 20 years. God's restored that relationship. He's faithful. But I was, I was, I was scared when we had children because I said, I don't know how to do this. I just don't know. Now, thank God they're still alive. They're, I keep better care of them than I do houseplants. Because Blonnie and I are not good at either one of those. We don't have green thumbs. We have brown ones. Our dogs manage to stay alive and they still wag their tail when we come home. But plants, that's just a whole other species. While my flower bed has rocks in it. We have a rock garden. But listen, sometimes you mess up. And fathers, it is possible to be too harsh on your kids. But guess what? Pulling them to you and saying, you know what? I said that too harshly. I've done that before. That goes a long way than for our pride to stand in the way. Because we're to develop their spirit, not break it. We're to develop their spirits, not break it. We should show patience and understanding. Here's another thing. He must lead in the training and the instruction of the Lord. This is directly in our text. He said, don't provoke your children to wrath, but train them in righteousness and the ways of the Lord. Society has been so emasculated and devoid of biblical manhood that oftentimes the church has had to fight 
to find good, qualified male leadership at times because that aspect of leadership just simply was not present. But men, I want to tell you something. You can't do anything about yesterday. can't do anything about last year. can't do anything about the last decade. But what you can do is change today. In fact, some of you men probably would be smart to go home today on this Father's Day after you've had hopefully a nice lunch or something of that nature. Pull your family aside and say, you know, dad or granddad or uncle has not been the man of God that I need to, but from this day forward, we're going to make some changes. Now, I may not know the Bible as much as mom, and I may stumble on the big words, but today, I'm going to lead us in prayer. Today, we're going to have a Bible study. We're going to, if we don't do anything but read a chapter of the Bible a day as a family in the living room together, that's what we're going to do. Men, hear me, your children need to see you serve God. Real men of God pray. Real men of God build altars. Real men of God not only will fight a bear for their family, they'll fight a devil for their family. We need masculinity. His responsibility to his children is to lead them in the training and this instruction of the Lord. Father, I'm compelling you today. Lead the way to church every Sunday and Wednesday. Don't let your children say, well, I guess dad's not going tonight. Or worse, it's such a habit they don't expect it anyway. But men, lead the way in spiritual things. Men, hear me. You need to teach your children about tithing. Not because the church needs more of your money, but because one day your child is going to be grown and your child is going to have a family of their own and they're going to need to know how to trust God and be faithful to God and see God be faithful. If you wait until they're 20 and 25 before you teach them all those things or you let somebody else teach them, we've lost the formative years of their life. We've got to teach them the importance of Scripture and prayer. Man, we've got to lead them. We've got to help them. We've got to model our own relationship with God. Your children ever see you with your hands lifted? Do they ever see you verbalize a good amen or hallelujah? Do they see you volunteer? On a Saturday when you're not working. Men, I know you work sometimes on Saturday. Sometimes on Sunday. So it's not a guilt trip. I'm not so much concerned about what you do when you're working as much as I do when you're not. You've got to model that relationship with God. They need to see that. And listen, wives, hear me. If you have an unsaved husband, this may be different. You don't have a husband to lead, but you have a husband in the house. What do you do then? Paul addresses that. Pray for him. Love him. Continue to nurture and lead. But if that man gets saved, let him lead. Let him lead. What God wants you to do. Quit usurping that authority in the home. Number three. What's the impact on the family and community? When a man of God 
leads his family. What's the impact on the family and community? Here's what it does. Number one, it strengthens the family bond. Statistically proven that a child prefers a healthy two-parent home. Statistically proven. Creates a sense of unity and belonging. It fosters healthy communications and relationships. Provides stability and security. Brings a source of strength and support. Builds a foundation of trust and love. And it models marriage. Men, let me tell you, those of you who have children in the home, one of the greatest gifts that you can give your children is showing them, I'm talking about boys and girls, showing them how to treat their mother. How do you talk to her in front of your children? Do you, do, is there a loving environment in your home? Do your children walk away and, and say, man, dad, mom and dad love each other. They like spending time together. Or do they, do they say, man, I don't want a relationship like that when I grow up. Men, one of the greatest things we can do, we think oftentimes that it's quoting the entire Bible and writing a dissertation on the book of Revelation, but that's not the truth. Sometimes it's simply living out our faith. And here's what Paul told the men in the book of Ephesus, in the book of Ephesians. He said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and, and, and wash her with the water of the Word and lay your life down for her. Men, when your boys see that, they say, I want to treat my wife like that. Treat my wife like that. Men, when your daughters see that, when your daughters see that, any old piece of bum down the street that comes driving into town wants to hook up with them, they ought to look at how you treat their mama and be like Beyonce and say, if you want it, you better put a ring on it. That's too blunt, ain't it? It's biblical. Model a relationship so that your daughters don't just throw themselves to any man because they're desiring the affection of a man let your life with your wife be so modeled and let your love be so displayed in a godly way to your daughters and your sons so that they see your relationship and say, I want a 50-year marriage. I want a 25-year marriage. I want something that's going to make it. I don't want something born in Las Vegas in a chapel in a drunken night. I want something born in heaven because what God put together, let no man put asunder. That kind of example is the weight of responsibility, men, that we have. is to show forth that influence. It's so powerful. We also provide stability and security by giving good leadership to the church. Getting ready to close. Don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. My wife is an ordained minister. Believe in women in ministry. We have ladies on staff here. My great-grandmother was a Pentecostal preacher on my mom's side. I don't talk about that a lot because I don't know a lot about that side of the family. But 
He was. But I believe men have a responsibility to be leaders in the church. And in Acts chapter 6, when they needed deacons, when the church grew substantially and the apostles couldn't keep up with the growth and the widows were being neglected, here's what he said. He said, look out from among you and find seven men filled with the Holy Spirit of good reputation, good reputation, of good quality, of good character. Bring them to us and we'll appoint them over this business. Men of God provide a pool of leaders for the church. I, think, I just think it'd be cool if we had more people show up to outreaches that were more men than women. Women, I like y'all. There ain't nothing against y'all. But it would thrill my soul to see men leading their families. Thrill my soul. What impact does it have on the family and community? Strong communities, strong churches. Strong churches, strong families. Strong families, strong fathers. Who love Jesus. Who are not afraid to show they love Jesus. Lead their families in the paths of righteousness. Now listen. You may have been absent of all of that. You didn't have it. You know, the Bible says, I quoted it a moment ago, He's a father to the fatherless. He gives us strength. He gives us encouragement. He gives us hope. He helps us. When we're weak, He's strong. Today, men, I hope you've been encouraged. Young men, I hope you've been challenged. Ladies, I hope some light bulbs came on. The phrase toxic masculinity is what's floating around in Hollywood today. Make the man look as feminine as he possibly can. Clothes are so tight, and shirts all weird and whatever, and you can't tell who's what and what's what and all that stuff. I'm old fashioned. We're not under the law. But I do believe Deuteronomy still says that a man not put on what pertains to a woman and a woman shouldn't put on what pertains to a man. And that's that's not, talk, that's not talking about men shouldn't wear or women shouldn't wear pants and vice versa because there's men's pants and women's pants. But you get what I'm saying. The styles are being confused today and there's the gender confusion. Listen, God, there's nothing wrong with being a man. Ladies, let me ask you a question. This may be funny, but I want to ask a question. In the middle of the night, there's a rumbling in the bushes. And there's a jingle jangle of your door handle. And an intruder's trying to come in the house. Do you want some... I don't know what they are. Man trying to see about what's going on or, or do, do, do you want some testosterone? Do you want some muscles? Say, baby, baby you, you, you stay here. I'm going to go take care of this. Hey. 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 Men, 
You take, you take this how you want. You take care of mama. Mama take care of you. Be a man. Come on, somebody say be a man. Be a man. Ladies, you weren't supposed to say that. That was weird. You just fell in the trap. We're not parents here. Think about what you're saying. Stand up on your feet. I'm being funny. I hope you know I love you today. I want to do something different. I want every man and every young man to come to this altar this morning. And we're going to pray for you.